Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. This week, we have a very special episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. It's almost like one of those crossover TV episodes from the 1980s. It's like Simon and Simon guesting on Magnum P.I. or vice versa. We have the dynamic duo from the Rock and Metal Combat podcast this week. The amazing Dr. Fuck, Ralph Vieira, finally makes his Damn Good Movie Memories debut. So welcome, Ralph. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for mentioning me before my coattail rider. (laughs) <laughs> and he's alluding to him, but he's definitely not a coattail writer. It's returning again to damn good movie memory. It's the hilarious and talented Wadzilla. Ian Wadley is back. Oh, yeah! <laughs> hey, man, now that I think about it, I'm writing Ian's coattails because he was on this show first. That's, That's right, right, three all times. Right, all right, hold on. Let me get into character. I'm going to be like Ian Wadley on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Let me become Ian's bitch. Hold on. <clears throat> all right, I'm ready. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's funny. Okay, bye. You're a YouTube sensation. That's right. <laughs> so also, Ralph has his very own radio show every Thursday night, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, I believe, along with his excellent Vieira Vault that you have to check out. And uh, in addition, you have to check out his band, Thrasher Die, which is tremendous. Thank you, man. And then, no problem. I own both, both the CDs. I'm looking forward to a new one coming out soon, I think, right? No, but it will be coming out, but it won't be soon. Okay. <laughs> so be on the lookout. It'll, it'll and then, be out when it's out. And then, of course, Ian also has his excellent Wadzilla World Radio Show every Saturday morning starting at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, diverse uh, music. You'll you'll play anything as long as you name the band, but he'll pick the song, and it's always a lot of fun. I love Ian's yes. show. Ian's show is fucking awesome. It's it is. A, it's just a shame I'm always so hungover I miss it. But when I do <laughs> tune in, it's always really good. I love it. All right. After I yank my coattails off of Ralph's feet, I also like to mention that I also have The Clap. <laughs> I have a podcast, a radio show, and The Clap. And The Clap. And that, my friend, is why Ian Wadley... It's funnier than me. Thank you. <laughs> Nothing funnier than than uh, STDs, especially when you got them. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. You smoke That's them if you got them. That's we've right. been we've been teasing this episode for a while. So, and both Ralph and Ian love this era of film, and I think it was a perfect opportunity to chat about the tremendous films in the 1970s, specifically 1975 through 79. So we're each going to pick. You know, at least one film from those years, and if we overlap, it'll work out just fine. Uh, Ralph's going to have some more. Ian's going to read the top grossing films from each uh, year of the 70s. So I think this is going to be a great discussion. Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome. All Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, it is your show, but if you don't mind interjecting, because after Mm -hmm. all, uh, I am a co-host of a YouTube sensation guy. Uh, You are? I would like Ian to start each year with the top grossing films, and then we'll go into it. What do you think? I think that's perfect. Go for it, Ian. Uh, All right. (laughs) The the top 10 for 1975. At number 10, The Other Side of the Mountain. Never heard of it. Never heard of that. Yeah. At number 9, Aloha, Bobby, and Rose. I remember that one, yeah. I'd never heard of that Uh, one. Never heard of that one. I don't think I've seen it, but I remember that title. Well, just looking right now, it was written and directed by Floyd Muttrix, who also did one of my favorite movies, 
the Hollywood Knights. Mm. Uh, that's from the eighties, but uh, yeah, that I never heard of. <laughs> uh, that, Tony Danza, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh my God! No. Uh, at number eight, the Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that was a good joke on one of our podcasts when you brought yes, that up. Yes, it was. Oh yeah. And at number seven, the sequel to uh, uh, something Barbara Streisand did, uh, Funny Lady. Oh, a sequel to Funny Girl, Funny Lady. Mm. Oh. At number six, the, uh, the fourth Pink Panther movie, The Return of the Pink Panther. Mm-hmm. At number five, Warren Beatty with Shampoo. Oh, yeah. At number four, oh, the awesome Sydney Sydney Lamette classic starring Al Pacino mm-hmm. and John Gazelle. Dog Day Afternoon. Attica! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying over here. <laughs> At number three, Jack Nicholson with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. At number two, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. And the number one moneymaker of 1975, Steven Spielberg's Jaws. All right, let's start with Ralph. And his picks for 1975 movies. Okay, I'm not going to dwell on all these movies. I will dwell on my favorite movie. But I have to mention some movies that were very important to me. Because unlike you two whippersnappers, I was actually going to theaters at this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this actually was the first year. 1975 was the first year I became an avid theater goer. Right. Uh, And uh, I will make honorable mentions. Definitely movies, and they all had effects on me, each one of these. Race with the Devil with Peter Fonda. Absolutely love it. Have you guys seen that one? No. Oh, my God, I haven't God, seen it either. Man. No. All right, I'll just give you the plot real quick. Yeah. It's a, it's it's uh, Peter Fonda and, oh, what was the guy's name from uh, something Oates? Warren Oates. Is that Warren, I love Warren Oates. Yeah, yes. Warren Oates and uh, the chick uh, Hot Lips from the TV show. Mash, Loretta, yep. Loretta, yep. Swit. Loretta Swit, and some other girl. They were all couples in a, in a motor, like a not an SUV. What did they call those back then? You know, kind of like, like a motorhome. Yeah, like a, a motorhome. A, a Winnebago. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's kind of like a Winnebago, right? And they're traveling. They're on vacation, and they go into a town of devil worshippers, and oh. then they're they're uh, they're chasing, they're chasing them. So they're running away from devil worshippers the whole show, and it has a very it's one of the dude. The the thing so special about seventies movies, a lot of them, they end not happy, <laughs> you know. Right. And this is Absolutely. one. Absolutely. This was one of those movies, kind of like uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. You know, it has a bad ending. So that I definitely recommend that movie. Another movie very important to me that year was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, absolutely worship that movie. Death Race 2000. Mm-hmm. Amazing movie. And man, this would have been the best movie of 1975. If it wasn't for my favorite movie coming out that year was definitely Taxi Driver. Uh, I have to put that one in number two. Very special uh, movie to me. Th- that's Taxi Driver 76. Oh, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> but we're getting ahead. <laughs> I see where this is going. All right. Well, my favorite movie of all time came out that year, and that is the highest grossing movie of the year, Jaws. Yes. Jaws is very special to me. I'll never forget. I went to back to Terrytown, New York, the place I was born on vacation. And my aunt and uncle and cousins took me to see Jaws in the theater. I was very young. I remember going home, going to their home last that night, couldn't sleep thinking about the uh, Alex Kittner scene and thinking to myself, that's when it finally dawned on me. We're going to die one day. 
I thought, you know, before then we were never going to die. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, and dude, uh, and, and as I got older, uh, more things were more special to me. You know, back then it was all about, you know, the shark and all this. But now it's all about the Indianapolis speech and Robert Shaw. Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into our side, Chief. He was coming back from the island of Tinian to Lady. just delivered the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. 1,100 men went into the water. The vessel went down in 12 minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger, 13-footer, you know? You know that when you're in the water, Chief? You tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. What we didn't know was our bomb mission had been so secret, no distress signal had been sent. <laughs> they didn't even list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it was Kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo, and the idea was, shark comes the nearest man, that man, he start pounding and hollering and screaming, and sometimes the shark would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white, and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red, and despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. <laughs> No, by the end of that first dawn, lost a hundred men. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand. I don't know how many men, the average six an hour. On Thursday morning, Chief, I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland. Baseball player, Bosun's mate. I thought he was asleep. Reached over to wake him up. Bobbed up and down in the water, it was like a kind of top. Upended. Well, he'd been bitten in half below the waist. Noon the fifth day, Mr. Hooper, Lockheed Ventura. So she swung in low and he saw us to the young pilot a lot. Younger than Mr. Hooper anyway, he saw us and he come in low and three hours later a big fat PBY comes down and start to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So eleven hundred men went in the war. Three hundred and sixteen men come out, the sharks took the rest June the 29th, nineteen forty-five. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. Yeah. Uh, how amazing he was in that movie. And I also, and I want to thank uh, the great Ian Wadley for turning me on yeah. to the Grindhouse version. Oh, uh, yes. If you haven't seen that, dude, I ch look, 
I have a friend down here called Damien who's a who's just as big as a uh a Jaws fan. We call each other Chiefy. And uh <laughs> I had him over a couple weeks ago uh to watch it. He and he you know, he does have you know, he has a drinking problem, so he brought over a, a bottle of Johnny Walker and he doesn't drink that shit. He just drinks that shit with rocks. All he wants is rocks. <laughs> Got really mm-hmm. drunk and I showed him it, and he was, oh my god, he was like, uh, you, you, you know what? I can't leave this house unless you burn me that shit. <laughs> that shit uh, was, yeah. He was so, especially the way it ends, which I'm not gonna give it away if anybody hasn't seen it. You could <laughs> see it, I believe, on Vimo or Daily Motion. You can see the full movie. Uh, definitely check that out, the Grindhouse version. But yeah, no movie to me is more special than Jaws. I own, I have a Jaws wallet. I own Jaws shoes. I have a Jaws poster hanging on my wall. Um, I own the this box, this big box that has the the sh- the the ship in it, which goes for hundreds of dollars now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with the shark on top of the ship, you know, eating. Quick. Yeah. Um, and I, oh, dude, I have at least at least thirty Jaws shirts, all different. Um, I worship the movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. All right. Well, uh, I would like to pick. Uh... For each year, I'd like to pick a runner-up and my favorite. Sure. Uh, and and this is amazing year in cinema, as all these years are. And, you know, also, when we're done with our picks, I would kind of like to go through a list to, to mention some other noticeable releases from this year, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from each year. Sure. But I would have to say, you know, without my favorite, uh, kind of like what Ralph said, uh, in any other year... Oh, man, it would be kind of neck and neck between Dog Day and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But, yes, I mean, it has to be Jaws. I mean, just uh, a movie that, that that traumatized me and titillated me and excited me. I mean, it, it had everything. I mean, uh, you know, when I was a kid going to the YMCA, I would, I would wear goggles in the pool. And I would <laughs> sit there and I, w- I would go down in the shallow end and look at the deep end. And it was a long pool, so you couldn't see the other end of the pool. And you couldn't see, the like, the back wall of it. And I'd always mm. be like, what if? What if? You know, somehow a shark's in there. God, Ian, you uh, know what, dude? <laughs> I was the same fucking way, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even worse than that is uh, my dad had the vinyl soundtrack. Uh, I still uh, do. To, mm. to, to Jaws 2. Oh, and and I, and I used to listen to that, and in my in my childhood bedroom, I had this blue carpet that looked like the sea, and I used to put that the 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 soundtrack on, and it would it would scare me, but I loved it at the same time. But I remember standing outside my room, and I used to run and try to jump onto my bed and not touch the carpet because I was like, oh, that's the sea. And Jaws is going to come out of that motherfucker. So I had to run from the door and hit the bed. So Jaws would have... I mean, all this crazy shit. But yet, I could not stop watching this movie back in the early 80s before we had a VCR. There used to be places you could go and rent a VCR. Right. And and, and you could rent tapes. And I mean, that was a big deal. Like, if it was a weekend we were renting a VCR... Uh, there was three movies that I always wanted, and that was Jaws, Grease, and Psycho. And, and I mean, it's just one of these. I mean, I can't really remember my life without this. And you know, 
it also reminds me, I mean, you know, taking me back, it reminds me of Ralph's mother because that's the only other thing I know that can go down with three barrels on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's, he's just been waiting to use that joke. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> she, she can't go down now with three bells on her. She can't. Yeah, she can. Uh, but, I mean, I mean it's, it's just a masterpiece. I mean, it was the first, like, the summer blockbuster. Um, but it had everything. I mean, it was uh, an action movie, a B movie, and incredible acting all at the same time. And just, like, really just, you know personified the blockbuster which now unfortunately is so watered down and bastardized but this this was an event and you know i remember seeing this in re-releases uh of course you know it came out when i was one but i remember seeing it at the drive-in you know i remember Mm -hmm. it being shown again in local theaters i mean this was uh an event i remember buying mad magazine with jaws on the cover remember that that iconic uh jaws with the tongue out yeah. Iconic, yeah. iconic. Ma- I love mag- magazine back then. Oh, it was oh they were the best. But I, I mean, this, this is just something, you know, I, I never get sick of it. <laughs> the first time Ralph came to see me when we went and saw Rush, you know, uh, he's sleeping on my hide a bed sofa and I grabbed Jaws and, you know, I passed out. You know, we're laying in bed watching Jaws together. He, <laughs> he finally woke me up. He's like, get the fuck out of here. I was like, oh, okay, all right. But no, it's just it, it is a perfect movie, and and I've also read the book, and I enjoy the book. And, and nine times out of ten, yeah, the book's always better. This uh, is perfect the way they did it. I mean, I, it's better than the book. It's it's amazing. It's just it's a uh, it's a phenomenon. It's I, it's fucking it's fucking Jaws. I don't you know? think I don't think the book was bad. But I don't think it was that great either. Though, though it was interesting that Matt Hooper fucked Sheriff Brody's wife. And mm. when Matt Hooper was getting eaten by the shark, which he dies in the book, uh, uh, Brody was happy about that. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and, you know, in the movie, uh, the, the mayor wants to, shut, uh, wants to beach open because of the money. But in the book, mm. it's because the mob, he had ties with the mob. And they're like, you're not shutting down the beach. Those were the only mm. two main differences of the book. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, it's something to, to see what they took from yeah. that source material and what they turned it into. Right. And nine nine times out of ten, when they when they take a novel and adapt it, uh, they, they cut out so much stuff of what makes the book special and right. and all this shit. And this is one where they definitely added and and, and improved on stuff, in my opinion. Uh, but just amazing. But you look at a lot of these other movies that are iconic and perfect movies and to some, you know, I'm sure probably to critics or movie snobs or, or movies that, that are more deserving uh, of this praise, but Jaws just has everything, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for everybody. It, it doesn't, it doesn't credible acting, incredible writing, uh, drama, suspense, horror thrills. I mean, there's still, you know, I've seen the movie a million times. I know what's coming at every second, and there's still parts that get me. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, it's in, it's a perfect, it's a perfect fucking movie. And, and, and you guys have said, it changed the culture. I mean, <laughs> people really wouldn't, it was like Psycho. People wouldn't go in the shower after Psycho. People wouldn't go swimming in the ocean after Jaws. I mean, yeah. what, in the power of movies, seriously. Uh, right. Also, you ain't going to believe this. When I was a kid, I had a blue carpet. 
Just like me, <laughs> seriously. But uh, I walked on it because I wasn't an idiot kid, though. Oh, okay. All right, Brian, how about you, buddy? All right, so I figured you guys would pick Jaws, and uh, that's definitely up there for me. But I'm going with Dog Day Afternoon um, because the craziest thing about this movie is it's, re- it's based on a true story. And so if you watch this movie and, and not know that, you would easily think that the plot is, is totally far-fetched. But, you know, truth is always stranger than fiction. And Al Pacino and, and John Cazale play, you know, the two friends who decide to rob a bank in order for Pacino to have enough money to pay for his lover's sex change. And that's Chris Sarandon, uh, who famously was married to Susan Sarandon. And uh, they have a third accomplice. That was Gary Springer. And they kind of, you know, rounded out the crew. But... Uh, the problem is that none of these guys had any experience in robbing banks, and so it's just a comedy of errors the entire movie. And, and it should have just been an in-and-out job, and it turned into a huge uh, hostage situation. And the news, you know, started covering it, and just a chaotic scene. And it was amazing that John Cazale, you know, how many great movies he starred in, in, in a pretty short career, um, because this was his second-to-last movie before he died of lung cancer, and then. His last movie was Deer Hunter. And, uh, you know, Pacino in the 70s was, like, untouchable. You know, Godfather, Serpico, and Justice for All, Dog Afternoon. And they're all, all classics. I, I love this movie. And I, there's some interesting facts and coincidences involving this film. So the real bank robber, and his name is John. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher his name, but it's Woja Towicks, I think. And uh, this is what the film is based on. He actually watched The Godfather for tips in order to plan the bank robbery. And, uh, of course, Pacino and Cazale were, were in The Godfather. Cazale's uh, character in the film actually tells one of the bank tellers that he shouldn't smoke because they could get cancer, and that's why he doesn't smoke in the film. But, of course, in real life, John Cazale was a huge chain smoker and he ended up dying of lung cancer because of it. And uh, he, Ralph said it earlier, the, the whole Attica, you know, where Pacino's yelling Attica in the streets, that was all improvised. Pacino came up with that, you know, in, in the middle of shooting, which it's, it's an iconic scene. And uh, this is Chris Sarandon's film debut, and I alluded that's, that's where Susan Sarandon got her her name so just a dog day afternoon i as he as ian mentioned in any other year this this would be one of the top ones along with one foot of the cuckoo's nest but yeah jaws just kind of owned 1975 yeah i fucked up i didn't put dog day afternoon on my list but yet i put taxi driver on the list uh honorable mentions uh stanley kubrick's barry linden uh breakout with charles bronson uh oh my god that definitely makes my list i love breakout yeah, you already mentioned uh, Death Race 2000. Classic. Uh, uh, oh, God. Uh, the Iger Sanction with yeah. uh, Clint Eastwood yeah. and, and George Kennedy. Mountain, right? Yep. Yeah. Vaguely. Uh, French Connection 2. Yep. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? Uh, Hard Times, another great one with Charles Bronson. Yes. Uh, w- yes. Walter Hill's uh, debut as directing. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, a great one. Uh, Robert Altman's Nashville. Uh, Rollerball, Norman Jewison's oh, Rollerball. Oh, man. How did I not remember? I have that on DVD, too. James Conn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where yeah. Scorpion stole the, the logo, the font. Notice yeah. that? Uh, Sunshine Boys with Walter Matthau and George yeah. Burns. George Burns, Burns, yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the movie version of Tommy. I love yeah, that. that. I saw it in a theater and didn't get it, but I love it now. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and definitely a B-movie, but one I loved, White Line Fever. Yes. With, mm. with Jam Michael Vincent. Yes. It mm-hmm. wasn't, uh, uh, I'm thinking of Convoy with uh, 
Christopher Christopher Chris Christopherson. Chris yeah. yeah, yeah, that's and um, the woman in love story. But uh, yeah. I mean, those are just some other you know notable films that came out in 1975. So you know, there's there's a lot of shit to uh, to pick from, man. The, this really this five year run we're going through, man. It's no easy task. No, it's no, not. no. To pick a top movie. So, so Ian, what are the top grossing films of 1976? All right, here we go. 1976. At number 10, the World War II drama Midway. And Fence Around. Did you know the guys know this? Uh, back then, it, it, was a, it was a short craze where theaters would have this thing called Sense Around, and they'd have these special speakers that make the, the chairs vibrate. And oh, yeah. Midway had Sense Around, that movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, All that right. reminds me of it reminds me of Kentucky Fried Movie. Yeah, day, yeah, but, feel yeah. around, feel yeah. around. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, which is on my list, by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's good. I'm here, dude. I talk, <laughs> I get to talk about sense around. That's, That's right. right. At Midway, especially equipped with Big Jim Slade, yeah, former <laughs> tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, <laughs> coming in at number nine, Clint Eastwood's uh, third outing as Dirty Harry, the Enforcer. At number eight, the Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder comedy, Silver Streak. The remake of King Kong at number seven. Yeah. Number six, In Search of Noah's Ark. I believe Elliot Gould was in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at number five, one of my favorite horror movies of all time, The Omen. Oh, yeah. Uh, number four, All the President's Men. At number three, Barbara Streisand's remake of A Star is Born. And... Number two, a movie I have no idea about, To Fly. Me neither. Never heard of it. I was around back then. I don't know. And it it says the studio was National Air and Space Museum. Wow. I don't know what the fuck that was. But at number one, Sylvester Stallone and Rocky. Absolutely. Speaking of The Star is Born, I guess that's being remade with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Yes. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'll check it out. All right, 1976, uh, I have 10 movies I would like to discuss really quick before I get to my favorite. Sure. Uh, Ian mentioned uh, Silver Streak. Uh, oh, yeah. one of them. Grizzly. You guys remember Grizzly? Yes. Uh, Grizzly had a poster that was very similar to Jaws. It was Jaws with a bear. Right. Uh, <laughs> they were doing that a lot in the 70s, like frogs and uh, all Piranha. Like piranha, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tunnel Vision. You guys ever seen that one? No. Tunnel Vision is like Kentucky Fried Movie, but like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah way more that. dirtier. Way mm. more dirtier. Amazing. Uh, Chevy Chase does a cameo in it. And that was right. pre... pre uh, Saturday Night Live. Yes. Um, Burnt Offerings. Uh, have you ever seen that? No. Oh, man. Dude. Write that down right now. It features... Oh, my God. One of the greatest actors in the world that I can't remember his name. He, uh, Oliver Reed. Oh yeah, yeah. dude! It's a horror movie that fucking owns. I can't believe you guys never heard of that one. Is that Uh, what did Ice Earth base their album on? That movie? I think so. I could be wrong, but I think so. Uh, Bad News Bears, the first one, of course. Uh, uh, And the Enforcer, Ian mentioned the Omen, um, Marathon Man, and very yes, uh, very (laughs) close to. Uh, uh, my second favorite, if Taxi Driver didn't exist, so I added that to this year. And Taxi Driver, kind of close to my favorite one, 
which again, just like 1975, the highest grossing movie of the year is Rocky. And yeah. to this day, it's my favorite Rocky movie, but I like every Rocky movie, even Rocky V. Uh, Rocky V being my least favorite, but mm-hmm. Rocky was so inspirational to me as a little kid. Uh, it was an underdog movie. It was special to me. You were rooting for the guy. You loved the guy. And back then he was, you know, uh, you know, he worked for a launch. He was kind of a scumbag, more scumbag in part one than any other movie. It was yeah. more grittier, darker. He, he became a little more fluffy after this movie, but the first Rocky is a goddamn masterpiece and definitely probably, you know, my third or fourth favorite movie of all time. It's definitely yeah. uh, recently. I, and I nominated you, Brian Davis. I would mm-hmm. nominate Ian, but Ian doesn't like doing shit on Facebook. Except, <laughs> I, except, <laughs> except pressing the like button. But um, <laughs> oh, I love doing that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. When I did my top ten movies, Rocky was definitely on there. Yeah. And uh, Rocky is my favorite movie of 1976. And it so pissed I, I, me I, off. I, Ian, let me, let me go next because that's my favorite movie too <laughs> from 76. Okay. Uh, I simply love everything about the original Rocky, the story, the music, the fight scenes, you know, the training montages change the way uh, movies are filmed. I mean, everything's got a montage in the 80s, but it started with Rocky and it's easy to become jaded with the Rocky franchise and forget the influence of the original Rocky because it had, you know, it had influence on countless films after that. And I remember my dad telling me that when he saw the original movie, I think with my mom, you know, just how the theater was so into the movie and the final fight scene that people oh, were like cheering and yeah, jumping. Yelling, yes. yeah. Oh, punching, you know, air yeah. punching. It was just it, it, amazing. So in college, I had to take a film production class and one of the assignments was to pick a movie and go into detail about a key aspect of that particular movie. And I wanted, um, the aspect could be, you know, the way the film was shot or the lighting and the music, the use of color, whatever you wanted. And so my class partner and I chose Rocky and the use of music in the film, because without the brilliant score from Bill Conti, Rocky, it would have been amazing, but it just wouldn't have been as powerful. Yes. And the, you know, the opening notes are gonna fly now immediately. You know, the hair stands up on your arms, and and not to mention the score for the fight scene. It's it's Ooh. just amazing. Uh, so the original script for Sylvester Stallone wrote had a much much darker tone to it, because Rocky was supposed to become disenchanted with the whole circus around the fight and he decided to throw the fight for a quick payday. And obviously the producers and Stallone thought better of that initial idea and rewrote the script. I mean, that would have changed. It would have fit with the 70s, but it would have changed the whole franchise forever. And I think they're the reason the original movie works so well is it's not cheesy at all. You know, Rocky didn't need to win to prove that he was meant to be in the same ring as Apollo Creed. And all he had to do was go to the distance and, and that was it. And I never get sick of watching Rocky. You kind of mentioned the loan shark, Gazzo, and his little goon. You know, I still crack up when he's like, take it to the zoo. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like I heard retards like the zoo. Yeah, uh, you know, it's all, <laughs> all stuff like that. Burgess Meredith, oh, he's so good. The shining, uh, shining. That that yeah. scene where he goes to apologize to him. Yes. And, oh my God, and, it, and it's so genius because you see, notice when he's about to leave the house, he touches his head because he had his hat. That's yep. brilliant acting, man. Oh, it brilliant is brilliant acting. And actually, so when he kept going to you, you think my house stink? Actually, the house really did stink. There, were, I guess the toilet was, there was something wrong with the plumbing and everything. So that was kind of improvised there too. Uh, yeah, just just brilliant all the way around. I love Burgess Meredith. Oh, yeah. And even I love Buckkiss. I love his dog too, which is really his, oh, that was his yeah. real dog. He almost, he almost sold the dog. He was so broke. He did. He actually yeah. did sell it and bought it back after Oh, Rock. he actually did sell it. Oh. He did. He had to. So, yeah. 
Nice. Great, great movie. Great movie. I love it. Did not... it. I, I have to say, though, it's not my favorite Rocky movie, and it's not my runner-up. Uh, my runner-up for this year, and, and again, like, man, does it take a movie to knock this one off of uh, my number one, but my runner-up would be Taxi Driver. Okay. Uh, a movie that I can watch over and over again and get different shit out of it. You know, sometimes I, I watch it and, and I just I pick up certain aspects that stick out to me. And then other times, like, I catch all kinds of shit that I miss. Like, you know, not only not just visually or, you know, uh, you know, dialogue wise, but kind of like underlining tones. Uh, there's a lot of shit going on in Taxi Driver. You know, oh, yeah. it's it's more than just, you know, you talking to me. There's a lot of dark, dark shit. And uh, dark social commentary, all kinds of different shit going on. And uh, just absolutely amazing. And, and the guy who wrote it, Paul Schrader, uh, talks about when he got the idea, uh, he was going through a bad, uh, I don't know if it was a divorce or just a breakup, but he realized like he went through like a two-week period where he didn't talk to anybody. Uh, you know, and he took a cab ride and just kind of associated that like he's in a cab, not even talking to the cab driver. And he said, that's when it kind of hit him. He hasn't talked to anybody in two weeks. He's just been getting fucked up and, you know, yeah. like, you know, fighting wars in his own mind and uh, just brilliant, brilliant direction by Martin Scorsese. Uh, what am oh, I what a, what a cameo by Scorsese. Talk about oh, dark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I mean, he's done so many, you know, a lot of people go to Mean Streets and stuff. And I got to tell you, I like Mean Streets. I like it. Mm -hmm. But to me, I mean, that's where he really shined was Taxi Driver. That's where he became the Scorsese I know and love. Absolutely. Um, uh, but as much as I love Taxi Driver, uh, hands down, a movie since the first time I saw it, I've been fascinated with him. And again, it's something that every time I watch it, I get more and more out of it. And I see how we've, you know, it just kind of predicted the future and shows like where we really are now. And my favorite movie by fucking far from 1976 is Network. See, I was preparing for this. I watched it a couple months ago because I had a feeling you're going to watch it. I'd seen it years ago, but I wanted to get refresh it. And my God, it holds up better now almost than it did oh, then. Oh yeah, 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 you know, and so funny like you know, you know, even watch watching when it came out let alone like when I really grew up with it in the 80s uh to see how society keeps moving in that direction and oh. and and you know, when you watch it back then it almost seems like like too funny like oh god, this this would never happen. <laughs> and it has. You know, it just it's too out there, it's too crazy, you know. But no, I mean, that's really what we've evolved or devolved into, uh, you know, as a society and, and, and what entertainment is to us. And the acting is just, you know, bar none. I mean, they won every category except for uh, supporting actor. Jason Robards won for all the President's Men, which, you know, great performance. But uh, Beatrice Strait won for Best Supporting Actress. Faye Dunaway won for Best Actress. And uh, Peter Finch won for Best Actor, which mm -hmm. he was the first actor to win. And I, I think only the second actor. Well, I mean, there's only been another actor who's won. You know, they died before the fucking Oscars and shit. Right. 
Um, but I, I mean, it's just, it, it's mind blowing. And I think it's, it says something to, to how good it was that it's something I could get as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it just grows and grows with what it means to me now. And I mean, you know, you know, and you got to give so much credit to Patty Chayofsky for, you know, the screenplay, yep. you know, and, and Sidney Lumet's direction. I, I love Sidney Lumet. Uh, you know, it's just an incredible movie, incredible. I, I don't know, just every, every, everything about it. Like I said, it's so surreal, but at, at it now in the society we live in, it's so real. Uh, it still resonates with me, and and I wish more people would uh, get turned on to it, man, because it, it's, it's incredible. Well, I'll, I'll make this brief, and, and I want to yep. keep this brief. Uh, when we did the Vieira Vault, uh, this was discussed. Network, and what was the other movie uh, that you guys talked about with Gene Hackman? Uh, where oh, the were, conversation. Yeah, the conversation. Yeah, I ended up writing them both on Netflix because of recommendation of both of you, and uh, just to you know. Uh, not to be a bummer, but I couldn't get into either of them. They they I, I both think... bored me to tears. The only thing I liked was when uh, Peter Finch lost his mind in Network. When I'm not gonna take it no more. I thought that was, <laughs> and then you know everybody yelling out their window. I yes. did like that scene, but I thought the rest was just so plotting and so talking in rooms and this and that and fire this guy. Oh, now he's got a lot higher rating. It was just really, you know. Uh, boring to me. And uh, the conversation I even found more boring. I, I get that for the conversation. The conversation is really, uh, it's very deliberate. <laughs> like they take their time with things. Yeah, uh, it, was, it, yeah. Was, it was taking forever. Both movies were like just boring the hell out of me. But, you know, then again, you know, I like the song We Are One by, uh, by Kiss. <laughs> so, so check out those movies if you like quality. <laughs> but no seriously going back to network i mean the what has become reality tv this is what they were discussing like when you know william holden and then the other guy they're talking in the bar i mean that's what it became into and this yeah. was an era where you know anchors made the difference you had your walter cronkite he was the most yeah. uh trusted man in, in the world and so whatever the anchor said that's what you listen to not so much right. anymore and uh yeah i mean everyone loves a train wreck and so he just he he was the original uh you know peter finch was the original reality tv and people just went with it and oh. you know even, yeah faye dunaway wanted to do a show with the terrorist that one terrorist guy so yeah. and, and another mind-blowing scene to me is the one with ned Beatty, mm-hmm. where, where he breaks down everything to, to peter finch you know yeah. it's like it's it's like, you know, you think it's this, you know, but it's the corporations that run this shit, you know, that's what keeps America going. And it's just so like, you know, in, in the middle of all this, you know, what's entertainment and, and what the people want, you know, for, for you to see the real dirt underbelly of it yeah. all, you know, it's just an amazing scene. And then, like, there's a scene where they meet the radicals, you know, they, they, and then the communists and the radicals, radicals, and you realize that they're in the business as much as they, they oh, had yeah. a corporation, basically. Oh, yeah, she's talking about points and wants them yep. to be as big as Archie Bunker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it, it, it is a really uh, well-done film. Um, but I, I'm still, I'm, Rocky's still my favorite, but uh, I, I totally appreciate network and, and all it stands for no problem so all what, right, what are right. the blockbusters of 77 yeah well, wait wait we got to list some other notable films from 1976 okay uh assault from precinct 13 
mm. by John Carpenter. Uh, that that's a great one. Uh, Breaking Point with Bo Svensson, Robert Culp. Any of you guys ever seen that one? Nope. That sounds familiar. Uh, it's a it's a real good crime drama. Ooh, I, I, I'll, I'll check that, out. that one. Uh, Car Wash. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wash was I remember phenomenal. that one. Yeah, with Richard Pryor wash. as a yeah. cameo. Yeah. And yeah. uh, George Carlin, too. Yeah, George yeah. Carlin, yeah. yeah. Uh, Carrie, Brian De Palma's Carrie. Yep. Eh, I, uh... <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> I think the movie ends really good, but boy, that one drags out. Yeah, I know I know it's much loved, but I'm not really that big into Carrie. Uh, one I really like, The Eagle Has Landed. Has anybody seen that? Oh, uh, yes, yes. Michael Caine and Donald Sutherland? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I yep. have. Uh, I like that one. Uh, another one, Alfred Hitchcock's final film, Family Plot. Nope. I like I like that one. Uh, My favorite later era of Hitchcock is Frenzy. I love Frenzy. Yeah, really good. Yeah, Frenzy's a good one. Uh, the remake of King Kong was a big one that year, too, with Jessica Lange and Jeff Bridges and Charles Grodin. It was yep. huge. I wasn't too great into that. I saw it in the theater. Didn't really love it that much, but it was it was a huge movie that year. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, David Bowie and Nicholas Rogue's uh, Man, to Fel- Man That Fell to Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Missouri Breaks with Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson. Uh, a comedy I really loved, Murder by Death. Uh, mm. You guys see that one? Uh, Peter Sellers, David Niven, Maggie oh, Smith, yeah. Alec Guinness. Yeah, it was kind of like it was kind of like a Clue type movie, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. A, it was uh, Neil Simon uh, yeah. wrote it, but yeah, it was making fun of that. Yeah. Uh, a movie that I loved as a kid: uh, No Deposit, No Return. Wow. Oh yeah, Darren McGavin. You yeah, know that, Darren- that that jostles that 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 jostles my memory bank. I do remember that title of the movie. Yeah. I don't remember the movie, yeah. Yeah, D- David Niven, uh, Darren McGavin, Don Knotts. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was it was like a, a kid's movie, but uh, but I really dug it. The Outlaw, Josie Wales. Yes. Oh, yeah. Great Absolutely. one, great one. Yep. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, let's see what else came out that year. Scroll. The Shaggy DA. <laughs> oh, God. I do like that one. <laughs> That's a Disney movie, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, let's see. Oh, when did, uh, when did Freaky Friday come out? Was that 76 too? No, no, not this Maybe year. 77. Okay. Charles Bronson St. Ives. Oh yeah. Was Bronson a was a lot of good 70s yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh also Stay Hungry with Jeff Bridges, uh Sally Field and Arnold Schwarzenegger came out that year. Mm. Uh Sally Field and Sybil. Oh was, yeah. Was another one. Wasn't uh, that a TV movie, no? Or maybe there yeah. was a TV movie afterwards. Though. See, I it was like I a was, really long. Yeah, I always thought it was too, but they haven't listed. Okay, yeah, for some reason, yeah, it was on NBC, but for Look some at reason, that. Look at my listed. memory. Sometimes there it you go. Work. And now we go to 1977. All right, coming in at number ten, Woody Allen's Annie Hall. At number nine, George Burns in Oh God. Number eight, James Bond, The Spy Who Loved Me. At number seven, another movie based on uh, Peter Benchley's book, The Deep, that mm-hmm. once again starred Robert Shaw. Number six, a movie I never heard of called A Bridge Too Far. Anybody know that one? No. At number five, Richard Dreyfuss and the Goodbye Girl. No. Number four, Saturday Night Fever. Number three, Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Number two, Smokey and the Bandit. And at number one, Star Wars. Yep. 
Yeah, not a new hope. Star Wars. That's what it was That's called, Demi Seven. Star Wars. Hell yeah. You pronounced it right, Ian. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Ralph, start us off with 77. All right. Uh, just as many movies I, I have on 76 on this one uh, that are very special to me. The Hill Had Eyes. Now, by oh, the way, yeah. I got to say, some of these movies I didn't see in 77, but does that matter? No. Uh, no. You know, because I, I didn't see Tunnel Vision in, in 77 either. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, 76. Uh, High Anxiety, Mel Brooks. Yep. Uh, yeah. I love that movie, uh, the spoofs on Hitchcock movies. Damnation Alley. You guys ever seen that one? No. Fucking no. I... Awesome, man. With uh, Jan Michael Vincent and the guy that was in the A-Team. The older guy. George oh, George Pappard. Yeah, George Pappard. Dude, yeah. they, it, it's futuristic. They're in this big tank thing. And uh, there's armor-plated cockroaches that eat you alive. Uh, you got to see that movie. It's amazing. Demolition the ca- Alley. The, yeah. Da- no, Damnation Alley. Damnation Alley. Okay. Yeah. The Car. You guys ever seen The Car? Yep. Oh, that <laughs> one's a good one. Uh, Black Sunday. Oh, yes. Uh, where the, the blimp goes into the Orange Bowl. I remember yep, yep. when they were filming it, and Robert Shaw was running down alleyways blocks from my house because a lot of it was filmed in South Beach back then. Uh, Breaking Training, the sequel to uh, Bad News Bears. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of it's nowhere near the original, but it's very special to me. <laughs> Kentucky Fried movie, of course. Absolutely. Uh, Smoking the Bandit, absolutely love it. Uh, and a close number two, Slap Shot with ah. Paul Newman. Fucking love. I I personally think it's the greatest sports movie ever. And uh, but then again, I haven't seen many sports movies. And uh, my favorite for the third year in a row, the most highest grossing film, like Jaws, Rocky. Uh, Star Wars is my favorite movie of 77. What, dude, watching that movie back then in 77, when we would watch it, it was like looking at the future. We were like, dude, this looks so real. You know, the spaceships, the flying, you know, the, the, the bar, uh, everything was so futuristic back then that there was no movies like that as far as visually looking so, uh, you know, you never seen anything like that back then. The plot yeah. was amazing. Uh, you know, Alec Guinness was fucking awesome. Looking back on it now, Mark Hamill's a little hokey in it, but everybody else was fucking amazing in the movie. And uh, mm-hmm. definitely my favorite movie of 77, Star Wars. And that is my 1977 pick. Nice. Ian. All right. Well, Star Wars, Star Wars is my number two. In a lot of ways, it's my number one. But if, I, if I'm going to go to a movie that had the most impact on me and that still to this day I, I, I re-watch you know, all the time, uh, I'm going to have to go with the number 10 highest grossing movie and Annie Hall. Yeah. I absolutely love, love Woody Allen. I, I'm a huge uh, Woody fan, and I like all different eras of Woody. I like the comedies, I like the dramas, and Annie Hall was, uh, to me, a great mixture of both, because uh, it's very smart for a comedy, uh, but yet not too smart. I mean, I mean, there's stuff that you know, jokes that anybody could get, classic Woody Allen jokes, and then there's some highbrow shit, uh, but there's also something to be said about relationships and how even the greatest relationships don't last and maybe aren't meant to last, but they're meant to have a lasting impact on you. 
mm-hmm. and kind of shape who you are. And, and that's what I get out of Annie Hall. It's like something bright and so awesome. It it, it doesn't last, but it, it but it changes your life. Annie Hall. I mean, it's like if you listen to his stand-up uh, routines from the '60s. Annie Hall, very reminiscent of, of his stand-up routines back then. You know, like a lot of his one-liners and his his non sequiturs. It's really well done. Yeah, but I, I mean, it, it has those one-liners, but it also has the sophistication of later movies like Manhattan. Sure. Uh, sure. You know, there's and and the, and the way it's shot is beautiful. And, and I mean that was one that was influential too because you had a lot of women going around dressed like men after that. That's <laughs> right, it's Diane Keaton. Yeah. Oh yeah, copying her style. And right. uh, as much as uh, you know, I, I love Star Wars. You know, and I, I do. I, I love the fucking shit out of it. But after Empire came out, I was like, okay, it's all about Empire. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I still watch Star Wars, and it still has like a nostalgic factor. But when I'm thinking Star Wars. I'm I'm Empire, right? And when it comes oh, to seven, when it, definitely. when it when it comes to seventy seven, uh, An- Annie Hall is one of those. I I don't go a year without watching it. Ever since I I first seen it, it's uh, it's a great movie. I like yeah. the scene where he where he sneezed on the cocaine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I I didn't like the movie. See, that's why it's good to have me here. You have <laughs> you have the intellectual comedies, and you have the scumbag that thinks Kentucky Fried Movie was better. You know, well, I love the Kentucky Fried Movie too. The lowbrow comedy, you know. That's yeah. right. Oh, I, lo- I love that too. Well, oh yeah, if it wasn't if it wasn't for Star Wars, Kentucky Fried Movie would have been my runner-up. What, what was <laughs> what was that scene? Danger Seeker. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you Rex can't get away Kramer. with that. You can't get away with Rex that now. Kramer, Thrill Seeker. And <laughs> I and I saw that movie in the theater, and the thing that really grabbed me was the first thing you see in the movie. The popcorn you're eating has been pissed in. Film at 11. <laughs> Seeing that as a little kid, and it was beautiful because back then we would go to this cheaper theater that the, the guy that would take your ticket would never ask for ID. I saw The <laughs> Exorcist back then when it came out and all that shit. But anyway, all right, man. So, Brian, did you talk about your 77? No. So, well, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Slapshot because yeah. I, I think it's it's definitely the best hockey movie ever made. It's, it's one of the best comedies of the 1970s. It, it's in the same vein of the of the longest yard from Burt Reynolds that came out love in seventy four. Love that movie too, Richard yeah. Keel, man, Richard Keel. Oh, Jaws, yeah, yeah, uh, just completely over the top with with antics from from Paul Newman's team, and he's just perfect in this role because he's playing this past his prime player coach, and and really, you know, anything with Paul Newman is probably going to be a winner. And uh, I even love his salad dressing, and all the profits go to charity. The guy can do no wrong. So, yep. you know. Newman was actually quoted as saying this is one of the favorite films he was in. And, nice. uh, you know, the Hanson brothers, they're Whoa. three of the best characters ever created ever, for him. Ever. Yeah. I mean, they're completely insane. They, they're they perfect for the type of hockey that Newman wants, you know, the struggling team to play. And But he and, didn't know it at first. No, not at all. The team wasn't going to win on talent, so they become goons. And I just love when um, the referee goes up to the guys before the, the game starts and the national anthem's playing. And yeah. <laughs> that our flag was still there. Oh, you got my eye on the three, you guys. You put one thing, you're out of this game. Now I run a clean game here. I have any trouble, I'll suspend you. I'm looking at a fucking song! The dialogue's oh. fantastic. It's hilarious. How and, they beat up the vending machine. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the best. And so I read that the script writers actually used tapes from actual hockey locker rooms 
uh, from the teams to get realistic dialogues of what you know what the players sounded like, and it totally works. And I, I found this great interview from Paul Newman from 1983 where he said, like, ever since Slapshot, I've been swearing a lot more. You you kind of get a hangover from a yeah. character like Reggie Dunlap because you don't get rid of it. And he he said, I, I knew I had a problem when I turned to my daughter one day and said, "Please pass the fucking salt." So. <laughs> And one fun fact, Al Pacino actually wanted the Paul Newman role. He, oh, wow. he really wanted it, but, I, you know, I, I love Pacino, but Newman yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, Newman. I was built for him. Absolutely, absolutely. He was so good. You're right, Feet's pussy. Yeah, that's right. She's a dyke. She's a dyke. <laughs> the whole movie. That movie uh, is so God. And it had a very serious effect. <laughs> On me as a little kid, that's why I cussed a lot, a lot too. You know, you uh, me and my friend Yai, man, we used to always go to the theater to see. We saw Slapshot in the theater at least a dozen times. We kept going back over and over to see that movie. That's why it's like so close to Star Wars to have an effect. But Star Wars was just like, I mean, if you lived in 1977 and you were a kid, there was no escaping Star Wars. Yeah. There was just no yeah. escaping it. You yeah, know? I mean, right. similar to Jaws, how it changed. Yeah, uh, it, it even out it even outgrows Jaws, uh, yeah. sales wise, you know. All right, so Ian, tell us uh, about the other honorable mentions for that year. All right, you had uh, Sam Peckinpah's World War II drama Cross of Iron, mm-hmm. uh, a, a damn good one, if if I do say so myself. Uh, also had David Lynch debut with Eraserhead, <laughs> uh, Clint Eastwood in the Gauntlet. Terry Gilliam made his uh, Gilliam made his debut with Jabberwocky. <laughs> George Romero's Martin, mm-hmm. uh, the vampire movie made. Uh, Scorsese follows up Taxi Driver with New York, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another, if if you love Jaws, then God damn it, I think you should love Orca. Oh yeah, <laughs> the whale with Richard Harris, which 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 is is in. Uh, Jaws, uh, the Grindhouse version. Yes. <laughs> they added that story yes. into the Grindhouse version. Yes. Uh, and, and it's one of those, I just grew up watching Orca on HBO, and I fucking loved it. Oh, I saw it in the theater. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I do love that one. Not enough to put on my list, but I did. I do love that one for nostalgic reasons. Right, right. I mean, I mean, it's cheesy, and it's a total ripoff, but there's just something about yeah. it. Yeah. But, but I, I just love Richard Harris. He was trying uh, to be Quint in that movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, a, a movie I loved when I, one of the first ones I remember seeing, uh, Pete's Dragon. Oh yeah, Disney movie. Was, yep. Yeah, was Mickey Rooney. One. Uh, and uh, one of the actually even before that, well, it's around the same time, The Rescuers, the Disney yeah. movie. I remember seeing that. Bob Newhart. And a movie I wouldn't see until the '80s, but uh, man, I really loved I, underground movie. Uh, fans of Tarantino know it because he he always talks about his praise. But Rolling Thunder, mm. have you all seen that with William Devane? Nope. I oh man, about about a Vietnam vet that comes back and uh, finds out his wife's cheating on him and has an accident where his hand gets ripped off and he gets a hook on his hand and starts taking some revenge. Oh wow, I did see that. I very, vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... William, De- yes, I loved him in Marathon Man. What a scumbag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I highly suggest uh, people check out Rolling. Yeah, I do remember that. Now I got to go see that now because I remember that now as a kid. Yeah, with the vein with a hook in his hand. Yeah, yeah. and uh, 
when uh, Tarantino got big and he started like refinancing these old movies to be re-released and all this shit, he called it Rolling Thunder Pictures uh, mm. because he loved the movie so much. Definitely check that one out. Uh, Burt Reynolds and Semi-Tough. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, William Freakin's The Sorcerer, which uh, bombed when it came out, but now has rave reviews. I, I still haven't seen it yet. Have any of you seen that with Roy Scheider? No. The Sorcerer, no. Yeah. I uh, love Roy Scheider. I'm, I'm amazed I didn't see that one. Yeah. Uh, Dario Argentino or whatever his name is, the Italian, uh, Suspiria. Uh, oh, fuck. How can I keep that off my list? That made my top ten when I did hmm. my Facebook thing. Yeah, that that that's a weird one for me. I, I don't actually get it but i just love the way it oh, looks i it's, love that movie it, it's a great looking movie i mean it, it's almost kubrick-esque yeah the, it's weird way, but it's awesome yeah and the way he's got the colors and everything it's and beautiful it's, uh, it's the movie jessica harper made after phantom of the paradise that's true mm. that's true all right well that is 1977 all right ian why don't you take 78 all right, here we go. 1978, top grossing movies. At number 10, John Carpenter's Halloween. At number 9, The Deer Hunter. Number 8, Revenge of the Pink Panther. Mm-hmm. At number 7, Jaws 2. Number 6, Burt Reynolds and Hooper. Number 5, Warren Beatty and Heaven Can Wait. Number 4, Clint Eastwood in Every Which Way But Loose. Number three, National Lampoon's Animal House. Number two, Superman. And at number one, Grease. All right. This year, the top grossing movie is not my favorite, but it's on my list. Uh, Every Which Way But Loose, The Buddy Holly Story, Grease, Fist mm-hmm. with Sylvester Stallone. Very yep. underrated. That, I think, if, if he wasn't uh, considered such a goof, he should have won the Oscar that year for actor that and. Because he was so great. Playing like a Jimmy Hoffa type guy. Yeah, exactly. Halloween, uh, Paradise Alley, which mm-hmm. is an amazing movie with Sylvester Stallone. First movie he, he wrote and directed, I believe. Uh, Corvette Summer with Marker, My, uh, Mike Hamill. That's a, Mark, yeah, that's a fun one. Oh, I love and, that movie. And uh, uh, I yeah. forgot her name, the, way, the, the woman that... that the, the Annie girl that, Potts. Annie Potts. Uh, Damien Omen 2. Yes. Dawn of the Dead, hmm? yeah. Animal House, and very tied, uh, very tied for number two, uh, Foul Play and Up in Smoke. And let me tell you, if it wasn't for my favorite movie, Up in Smoke would definitely be my favorite of the year. My favorite movie of that year, hands down, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Nice. What a movie. Aged so good. And another one of those movies, the way it ends, it's grim. It, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, there's no happy ending. You know, certain movies that have that no, no happy ending, it just leaves you like, I'll never forget. And I saw that one in the theater. I'll never forget walking out. And the thing that grabbed me the most about the movie was the end, was mm-hmm. the way it ended, the close-up on the mouth. It's just, oh, my God, it was so good. And it was, when I first saw it, didn't expect it. I mm-hmm. thought Donald Sutherland, you know, if you haven't seen it, then lower the volume now. I thought uh, if, they haven't seen, if they haven't seen it yet, then fuck them. Then fuck know? it, I'll spoil it for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he really did look like he wasn't a pod guy yeah. at the very end. I thought he was like, you know, 
trying to fool everybody still. And mm-hmm. then when you found out he was, it was like, fuck. Yeah. And man, I mean, I still watch that movie now and the hair raises during that scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, Leonard Nimoy was amazing. The most smartest pod guy on the planet. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was just, what a fucking amazing movie. Uh, who played the fly? Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum yeah. was great in it. Everybody was great in that fucking movie. And it was very suspenseful. You know, mm-hmm. you know, and it started off and it's a movie that it it's it's slow, but even the slow parts are very interesting, mm-hmm. you know, because it really does have to do with later on the plot. Like when he goes into the dry cleaner, my wife, she's not what she is, you know, and then mm-hmm. at the end, oh, she's much better now. That <laughs> shit is so eerie. I just love the fuck out of that movie. Well made. I saw the original, not even close like Scarface, which Scarface was good. The original, mm-hmm. but this remake was, man, let me tell you, man, the greatest remake ever made, as far as I know, because I haven't mm-hmm. seen every remake made, but Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Head, hands down, my favorite movie of 1978. Nice. That's why I always like the original Night of the Living Dead, too, because of the ending. You think it's going to end good, oh, and it yeah. doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> they shoot the guy in the head. Yeah, yep. I spoiled it, because, man, if you haven't seen that one, fuck you. Oh, come on. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ian. This was a hard one, man. This was a real hard one. Even though there's movies in other years that I like better, uh, to narrow it down to this one, uh, I <clears throat> I have to have two runners-up that are, that are tied neck and neck. Uh, first runner-up uh, is Blue Collar. An absolute oh, yeah. amazing movie, written directed by Paul Schrader, who uh, uh, wrote Taxi Driver, also uh, wrote directed Hardcore. Uh, oh, I, I know, love I, that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, but th- this is a great one about Detroit auto workers. Uh, mm-hmm. Stars ha- Harvey Keitel, Yapit Kato, Richard Pryor. Uh, it- it's a dramedy. I mean, there's plenty of funny parts in it. You know, of course, with Richard Pryor in it. But, uh, you know, there's also some really great dramatic scenes. And it, to me, it tells a really, really important story about the workforce and, uh, you know, always pay attention to who's really fucking you. Yep. Uh, a great, great movie not enough people know about. I think now, I, I don't think it's ever been released on Blu-ray and it had a real short run on uh, on DVD, and I as soon as it came out, I bought a copy, and uh, now I've seen copies go for like three hundred dollars. Yeah, I, I just wish somebody would put out like a you know an affordable Blu-ray because more people need to you know see this movie, and if you're charging three hundred dollars for a Blu-ray, they're not going to see it. No, no. Actually, I was introduced to it in college in one of my English classes. And, uh, <coughs> great, great movie. Real, it, it, a lot like Network in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, I'll definitely stay away from it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I think I think you'd like Blue Collar. Yeah. I think you'd like Blue Collar. Great uh, song. <laughs> but uh, uh, the other one tied for runner-up had a huge, huge impact on me, uh, and that is Superman. Yeah. I, I mean, that was oh. just... Holy shit, was that good. Uh, you know, Christopher Reeve, you know, and I, I got to meet Christopher Reeve uh, a few years later, you know, and I saw him in real life, and I didn't know no Christopher Reeve. I just kept calling him Superman, <laughs> Superman, Superman, and that movie was just, oh, my God, was it fucking, you know, to, to you know, a little kid, that was everything. And 
I thought Gene Hackman was incredible as Lex Luthor and, you know, Ned Beatty as his sidekick. And, uh, oh, my God, I had such a crush on Margot Kidder. I, you know, to, to, she will always be Lois Lane. I remember when they, they did that reboot, that Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, God, I can't remember who the fuck it was. It was they had Kate Bosworth, I think, Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Yep. Look, like a, look, look, look like a 12-year-old fucking pixie. No, Lois <laughs> Lane was a woman. Lois yep. Lane was Margot Kidder, who just passed away. Yep. Uh, but man, Superman. Oh man, what what an incredible fucking movie! I I still think to this day, as much as I love Dark Knight, I still think Superman Two is the greatest superhero movie ever made. Oh, I agree. Uh, uh, absolutely love that one. But Superman One, I mean, it it was the first. Much like how uh, Ralph talks about you know Star Wars, you know, and like yeah, you know, everybody loves Empire. But, you know, the the impact of Star Wars, that's how I was with Superman. Uh, even though I love Superman 2 more, you know, there's just some... The, the original will always be the one. I mean, there's just so much magic there. Uh, did, you, as, did you pick up the Blu-ray that has the entire three-hour original TV showing that they showed? when? It no, was- I, I, I have... I've wanted to get the box set. I just never... It's always so fucking expensive. But yeah. I want the one that had, like, you know... Uh, you know, both cuts of Superman 2 and all yeah. the other shit, you know, but it's one of those, it's like, uh, always like, ah, fuck, do I have 80 bucks to piss away this week? Uh, yeah. no, you know. But uh, I, I definitely recommend getting the the TV special <coughs> um, version of, of Superman. It, it doesn't, there's some scenes I'd never seen or, I, you know, I hadn't seen in years. It's just like extended right. cuts of like Smallville. I, I think you'd really like it. Oh, you know, I, uh, I want to talk about Superman, the first one. Um, they had a brand new theater in Hialeah, Florida, where I was raised, and it was the top of the line theater, which is still there now, playing like cheap theater, cheap movies. Because it's not, you know, looking at it now, it's fucking a cheap ass theater. But back then, it was top of line. And when they opened it, it was a twin theater, but one of the movies was Superman. So mm. it was like, oh, let's go to the new theater and see Superman. The line, I never stood in a line so long to see a movie, <laughs> and I, I don't, I only remember. Um, uh, Marlon Brando with a white wig and Superman uh, grabbing Lois Lane and flying around the earth a million times to bring her back to life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't remember liking it though, but you know, I'm telling you, uh, I didn't like the shining the first time I saw it. So I, mm. I am going to revisit that one, but Superman too, because of you guys mm-hmm. uh, on the last episode, I had the opposite uh, reaction though. I do kind of remember the movie, but I had the opposite reaction. I absolutely love that movie. My favorite line. What I do now, I do for the sake of the people of the world. But there is one man here on earth who will never kneel before you. Who is this imbecile? Where is he? I wish I knew. Oh, God. Zod. Is when they tell Zod about Superman, he goes, who is this imbecile? <laughs> that is the best line in the whole fucking movie. Who is this imbecile? <laughs> he, he is so good, is odd. Oh yeah, my yeah. god, that movie is god. Oh, Ter- Terrence Stamp. Stamp. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. yep. And my I, god, so, that's a good movie. I totally recommend checking out the Gilbert Gottfried podcast because he interviews Richard Donner, and uh, Donner has some great stories about Gene Hackman, how he got him to shave off his mustache. And uh, how Gene Ackman absolutely did not want to wear a skull cap, you know, for a bald wig. And that's why he has different hairstyles the whole movie, because Gene Ackman didn't want to have an uncomfortable ball cap the whole time. I'll definitely check it out. I love that podcast. Yeah, he, yeah oh, Gil- it's hilarious. 
Well, you know, I, I've got I've got Blue Collar and Superman tied for my runner-up. The only one that can beat this, and th- this is some, not only is it a perfect fucking movie, but the impact that this movie has had on my life, uh, my sense of humor, and uh, it's just it's a perfect movie, and that is National Lampoon's Animal House. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just I'm a zit, get it? Yeah, <laughs> ab- absolutely incredible. Uh, you, you know, one of those things. Watching it as a kid, uh, there were so many jokes that I got, and there were so many jokes that I didn't get till I got older. Thank you, uh, God. <laughs> but it, 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 can I have ten thousand marbles, please? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I love when they flash his face on the screen. They're like, ah! They show how that close up of Belushi going, ah! Your name, <laughs> Flounder. Why? Why not? Yeah. So the woman that sold the um, Flounder all those marbles, that was his actual wife. Or it became oh, his wow. actual wife. Yeah. I want to tell you something real quick. I'll let Ian go off on this movie. The very first time I even heard of the movie, I'll never forget it, dude. Because I, I was huge into Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live at that time was pornography for us kids. Yeah. Watching that was so cutting edge. And I absolutely love John Belushi. And I'll never forget being in a supermarket, rifling through I don't know what magazine it was, and they had a full-page ad for Animal House. And it's a you probably seen this picture. It's iconic. They're all standing in front of the frat, and, and John Belushi is giving the middle finger. Mm-hmm. You ever seen that picture? I think so, yeah. That was before the movie came out, and I saw that coming soon to theater. I go, oh, my God. Dude, to show the finger was yeah. fucking wild. I was like, oh, my God, John Belushi with the finger. I need to see this movie. And that movie, yes, dude. Seriously, it does have a very serious uh it's a great now, Ian, you're 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 talking my speech since Jaws. I'm <laughs> with you on this one, man. Animal House is fucking iconic and amazing. Thank yep. you. Oh yeah. It's uh you know, my three the three most influential comedies, you know, in my life are Animal House, Caddyshack, and Airplane. Yeah, uh, is like you know the trifecta for me, and uh, but this one man, it's just it's so quotable. Uh, just can watch it over and over, and just I I, I, I love the way they, they did it too. It's almost like a like, like an X-rated American graffiti, you know. I thought it was it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of daring though in the late seventies. Like, hey, we're gonna take this back to the early sixties, not even like the wild sixties, but like the you know, the in like the Kennedy sixties. Yeah. Like you know, right out know? of the fifties. Yeah. The oh yeah. Needles. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to make it that dirty and, and you know, and you mind if we dance with your dates, <laughs> you know, and yeah. you, was you it know? over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no. <laughs> and it ain't over now. Uh, <laughs> what do you expect us to do? You moron. <laughs> that one the line, yeah. the one line well, he had was great. Everybody <laughs> thought the stork had brain damage. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, every fucking line in it, you know, is is funny. And I, I mean, and Niedermeyer and all this shit in there, man. And I mean, it's just, it, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, and I've tried to turn on, you know, some younger people I work with, uh, you know, guys like, oh, you, well, you're really into movies. You know, what? what's a good comedy? And I gave him Airplane. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I don't get it. 
I don't get it, you know, but, uh, you know, he thinks, uh, uh, what's that, don't fight the Zohan or whatever that Adam Sandler movie is, you, you know. He thinks that's the funniest movie ever made, and, and he thinks Airplane was dumb. I was like, uh, oh. Timeline is everything. Yeah, I was like, uh, oh, what can I do? What can I do? But, I mean, it's just, that that's timeless for me, and that's comedy just at, at its finest. I mean, an all-star fucking lineup. And, uh, when, and when that car hits the bleachers and that God. scene of everybody flying in the air, <laughs> I mean, that vision still makes me laugh. Fuck, I still giggle when I see Donald Sutherland's butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, he's yeah. got the sweater and shit. I'm like, oh, well, God. you know why? Do you, you know why he did that? Because Karen Allen didn't want to show her butt, so Donald Sutherland said, "Well, I'll, I'll show mine," and so and that that made her more comfortable. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Didn't uh, she show her tits in the bathtub? No, no. No, I think only the one that did was she was underage in the movie, but she wasn't underage in in, in real life. But it was uh, Pinto's girlfriend, right? Yeah. Well, what was that when John Belushi got up on the ladder? No, no, no. Oh, no, that no. too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but no, no. There was a guy when, uh, yeah, when when Pinto's got his hand up her shirt and she falls back and it's half Kleenex and yeah, half, oh yes, yeah, half fried egg titties. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. On the football field. Right. Yeah. 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 She was the Irish girl in Caddyshack. That's right. Great pick. All right. uh, Brian. Zero point zero. I'm going (laughs) with Animal House, too. Where are the other two? Stratton and Schoenstein? We looked everywhere, sir, but. Never mind. It doesn't matter. Have you gentlemen seen your midterm grades yet? Well, they're not posted yet, sir. I've seen them. Mr. Kroger, two C's, two D's, and an F. That's a 1.2 grade average. Congratulations, Kroger. You're at the top of the Delta Pledge class. Mr. Dorfman. Hello. 0.2. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Mr. Hoover, president of Delta House, 1.6. Four C's and an F. A fine example you set. Daniel Simpson Day has no grade point average. All courses are incomplete. Mr. Blue... Mr. Blutarski. Zero point zero. Now I want you to tell Mrs. Stratton and Mr. Schoenstein exactly what I'm about to tell you now. What's that, sir? You're out. Finished at Faber, expelled. I want you off this campus at nine o'clock Monday morning. And I'm sure you'll be happy to know that I have notified your local draft boards and told them that you are now all, all eligible for military service. Well, well, out with it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, come on. This I'm pretty sure I saw the Blues Brothers uh, before I saw Animal House, but I was hooked. I was hooked on John Belushi after loving the Blues Brothers, and so I went back and 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 discovered Animal House, and you know, I rented those Best of Saturday Night Live compilation videos where you got all Belushi's greatest skits. So, you know, looking back, my parents were seriously awesome because they would let me watch all of these movies. They didn't cons- they didn't care about the the mature ratings or any of that time, but. They were just awesome. They cared more about quality than, you know, stuff like that. And uh, 
favorite scene by far with you know principal the principal dean warmer john vernon is so good in animal house he is just so great that scene is just priceless when he's reading all their great point averages and uh you know ian covered most of it and so did ralph but i, I have some fun trivia regarding animal house this is of course was karen bake uh sorry kevin bacon's first movie and karen allen's first movie uh the can the cafeteria scene was completely improvised by john belushi wow yeah and and my ralph, favorite scene and ralph uh, mentioned that the thank God, uh, thank you God, kid. That <laughs> so the playmate, that yeah, the playmate flies through the window, and so that kid actually became a pastor. Oh wow! <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. The character Boone, who was actually written for Harold Ramis, because Harold Ramis helped write the script, but John Landis thought Harold Ramis was too old because he was 32. So Ivan Reitman wanted Boone and Otter to actually be Chevy Chase and Bill Murray, and ah. did, yeah. And then Bruce McGill, who played D-Day, um, that character was actually written for Dan Aykroyd. But Lauren Michaels threatened to fire Aykroyd if he took the job. So you threatened to fire him from Saturday Night Live. What movie uh, was D-Day in where he played a crooked cop? You guys remember that? Oh, that was much McGill. later. Yeah. Uh, I, Last Boy uh, Scout? I don't know. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Oh, yeah, keep going, guys. He's a good actor. He's a great yeah, actor. Yeah, he's great. And Ian will appreciate this. Do you know who the bass player for Otis Day and the Nights was? No. Robert Cray. No shit. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Of course, when Belushi's chugging that Jack Daniels, it's actually iced tea. <laughs> yeah, I uh, Dean Wormer, John John Vernon was perfect, but Dean Wormer was actually offered to Jack Webb, who was, of course, uh, Joe Oh, Friday. wow. Yeah, wow. and he did turn it down because he didn't want to ruin his reputation. Greg, what is the worst fraternity on this campus? That would be hard to say, sir. They're each outstanding in their own way. Cut the horseshit, son. I got their disciplinary files right here. Who dumped a whole truckload of fizzies into the swim meet? Who delivered the medical school cadavers to the alumni dinner? Every Halloween, the trees are filled with underwear. Every spring, the toilets explode. You're talking about Delta, sir. Of course I'm talking about Delta, you twerp! This year it's going to be different. This year we're going to grab the bull by the balls and kick those punks off campus. What do you intend to do, sir? Delta's already on probation. They are? Yes, sir. Oh. Then as of this moment, they're on double secret probation. Double secret probation, sir? There is a little-known codicil in the Faber College Constitution which gives the dean unlimited power to preserve order in time of campus emergency. Find me a way to revoke Delta's charter. You live next door. Put Niedermeyer on it. He's a sneaky little shit just like you, right? The time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. And then, do you know who the second choice for Bluto, of course, played by uh, John Belushi, in case John Belushi couldn't perform, they wanted Meatloaf to be Bluto. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked as good. Wouldn't have yeah. worked. One I really liked is American Hot Wax. Any of you remember oh, yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Biopic on uh, radio DJ Alan Free. It was very, very popular soundtrack that year. Yeah. Yeah. I think the soundtrack sold more than the movie, I think. 
another one that that I, I liked a lot was the Buddy Holly story with Gary Busey. I, I mentioned that, didn't I? Because it's yeah. on my list. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You might. I might, I might have missed. I love that, that movie. Yeah. Uh, Neil Simon's California Suites. Uh, Peter Himes Capricorn One. Uh, one I remember seeing when I was a kid, the cat from outer space. I remember that <laughs> Disney movie. Yep. Yeah. Did that have Don Knotts or somebody like that? Uh, uh what, what's the guy's? He was on Mama's Family. What's the guy's name? Oh uh, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Tim yeah. Tim Conway. No. no. Uh, shit. Har- not... Harvey, whatever. Harvey Ken, no. Ken Ken Barry. Yes. Oh, okay, Ken Barry. Yep. Yeah. Ken Barry. Uh, the Cheap Detective with Peter Falk. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Coming Home, Hal Ashby movie with Jane Fonda sad. and John. Sad. That's yeah. a sad ass movie. Yeah, and uh, it, it, it's worth noting. Uh, the next year at the Oscars, uh, my dad was was working there for the Malibu Times as a photographer, and uh, he got into a fight with Jane Fonda over that movie because I forget. I he uh, she yeah, asked bitch. him. Yeah, she asked him what. Uh, he thought she'd be a deer hunter, and, and she was like, "No, coming home." And then said, said she was a real bitch to him, you know, about giving that answer. Uh, and I know you mentioned this in another year, but uh, Convoy did come out this year. Sam Peck and Paul's with Chris Christopherson. That was and, a big ass hit. Well, here's yeah, the gate doing ninety-eight. Say, let those truckers roll ten four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mean, it was such a craze of the CB radio. Yeah, at that time. Yeah. My buddy had one, and we used to call. And and dude, my buddy had that lingo like, "Hey, rubber ducky," or you know, <laughs> you, had, you you couldn't talk normal on a CB radio. No, you uh, have all those lingos. Well, I, my my first car that I got, uh, the green bitch, was a nineteen seventy seven Grand Prix, and this thing was a fucking boat, man. But it was in immaculate shape. And I knew from junior high on that it was going to be my first car. My grandmother told me, you know, when you turn 16, this will be yours. So I used to go out there and I would clean it and wax it and do all this stuff and just imagine what it was going to be like when I could finally drive it. Well, this had a CB in it. And I'll never forget one day me and my best friend were sitting there cleaning the car and we're talking about, like, you know, what we're going to do when we get our license. You know, all the, you know, girls were going to fuck in the backseat and all this shit. And then we grabbed the CB and we're like, oh, we're going to start playing, you know, on the CB. And we're like, you know, come back, boogerhead, you know, and just saying <laughs> stupid shit like that, you know. And, you know, every once in a while we throw in a fuck or a shit, you know, and start giggling because we're cussing. And I'll never forget this trucker started fucking yelling, you goddamn kids get off the fucking CB. We use this shit for work. You goddamn, I'll find where you live, motherfucker. <laughs> Scared the shit out of us, man. I like, I turned the keys off. I turned the ignition off. Shut the radio off. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. What if he can find us? Holy shit, we're gonna be in trouble. <laughs> oh, we were scared shitless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The CB that that was a craze. Oh Good time. man, it was this shit, man. I loved it. I mean, I didn't own one. My buddy did. Mm-hmm. And you know, you had to have like this antenna outside of your oh, house yeah. on the roof with the wire going into the room. <laughs> And, oh, you know, yeah. and, and you, it was like a hundred channels on it. And one, one, one was really popular. Oh yeah. And it was, it was the internet of the seventies. Yeah. Good point. You know? And, uh, some other great movies, uh, FM. Oh yeah. That I, <laughs> that I love. Another, another one that was more popular as a soundtrack than a movie. Yeah. Right, but it would go on to inspire WKRP in Cincinnati. I love that show. Uh, yeah. which was very much based on that. Uh, the Fury. From Brian De Palma, mm. 
let's see, Harper Valley PTA. Oh, Barbara oh. Eden. I saw that yeah. in the theater. That's I a thought fun that movie. came out in the early 80s, man. Oh. Yeah. Based, wrong, based wrong, on this wrong. movie based on a song. <laughs> yeah, Harper Valley PTA. Yeah, yeah, country was such a craze back then, those country bumpkin songs. Yeah, uh, it was almost like a precursor to nine to five. Remember, like, remember yeah. what was the movie based on a, a song that oh, with Robbie Benson? Uh, Ode to Billy Joel. Oh yeah, yeah. Ode to Billy Joel. Yeah, that, that, I almost mentioned that. That came out. That was the year before. Ode okay. to Billy Joel. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else came out. Uh, I want to hold your hand. I think was the first yes. Robert Zemeska uh, Robert Zemeska's movie. That was a uh, good movie. Little girls trying to meet the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Another tearjerker that they used to show on HBO all the time, Ice Castles. Do you remember that shit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I don't. Lynn Holly Johnson and Robbie Benson. What was that stupid movie with Brooke Shields and that guy on an island? Yeah. Uh, type Blue Lagoon. Lagoon. Uh, the Last Waltz came out in 1978. Mm. Band, yep. The The animated Lord of the Rings. Mm. Uh, Magic. With Anthony Hopkins. Oh, my God. That's yeah. definitely on my list. With Burgess Meredith. Yeah. Dark, dark-ass movie with the puppet. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that movie. Uh, another great movie nobody mentioned, Midnight Express. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Very dark. But, man, some parts were just a little yeah. too heavy for me. Like, yeah. the, you know, the making out scene and shit. But the way it ends, man, where he pushes the guy against the thing where it goes to yeah. his neck. That was <laughs> awesome. And yeah. he got away. And uh, just to show that not everything was great for John Travolta in 1978, he also put out Moment by Moment with Lily Tomlin. Do you guys, any of you guys <laughs> Never heard that? of that. Vague, yes, I do, but I don't oh. think I saw it. But yeah. I, do, I do remember the poster. I believe they were both looking at each other in the poster. Yeah, 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 it bombed. Uh, a movie I loved, another kid's movie I remember seeing, Return to Witch Mountain. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, I remember that one. Not as good as Escape from Wish Mountain was great. Right. Escape from but but I, I had the biggest crush on Kim Richards. I thought uh, yeah. she was so fucking cute. Uh, Sergeant hey, when did, Pe- hey, didn't Gus come out that year? I love Gus. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the donkey that kicked out football. Voyage. I love Gus. <laughs> Gus. Uh, uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The, the BGs. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell you what, a good thriller a lot of people... Don't talk about the silent partner. Has anybody ever seen that with Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer? No. Uh, no. Bank robber movie. Mm. Nobody saw it. Okay, I dug it. Another dark movie, Straight Time, with Dustin mm. Hoffman. Any of you ever see that? No, no. never heard of that one. I oh, Dustin Hoffman. Oh, check that one out. About a guy, uh, he plays a prisoner who just went out on parole and trying to trying to stay straight. It's 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 damn good movie, dark. The Swarm. Time. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, that was John Carpenter, no? No. Or some one of those guys directed it. Who directed that one? Uh, let's see. Irwin Allen. It was an Irwin Allen disaster movie. Mm. Yeah, I remember the Swarm. I I I don't. I I may have seen it, but I I'm not sure. But I remember it. Yeah. The disco movie. Thank God it's Friday. Oh God. <laughs> Which me and my old lady love that movie. Maybe I'll love it now because back then I hated disco and would not give. Oh, it a it's so cheesy! But to, to see like a real young Deborah Winger and Jeff Goldblum and Donna, yeah, I'll watch it. Enough. I'll watch it. Yeah, definitely watch it. I've seen it, but I remember seeing it on HBO. Right. Oh, oh and, and and the Wiz. 
The Wiz. Oh, like, yeah. dude, I love that, The Wiz. Oh, my God, bro. Let me tell you something about The Wiz. They took us out of school to see that. We, we, really? we all got on a bus, and the school took us to a theater to see it. Dude, that movie was so painful that <laughs> toward the very end when the black, you know, white witch, whatever, started singing, the whole theater, all of us were like, oh, come on, end this goddamn <laughs> movie already, man. I mean, it was, it was like everybody was just sick of this fucking movie already. Yeah. I don't know, I might like it now, but back then I just hated it. I mean, I saw it, that was the only time I saw it was in the theater. I was like, oh my God, that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but then again, man, how can you compete with the 70s movies, man? All right, well, now it's time to get into the final year, 1979. Yep. Uh, coming in at number 10, the Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. I love the Muppet movie. I do too. Great, great cameos in that. Number nine, James Bond, Moonraker. Ooh, that's a bad one. <laughs> hey, wait a second. When did uh, Spy Who Loved Me come out? 77. That was, that was 77. No, dude, dude yeah. go back. I, I want to put that on my list. Moonraker <laughs> was a horrible sequel. Yeah. You know, I didn't I, like that one at all. I loved Moonraker when it came out, you know, because it was like James Bond plus Star Wars, but Watching it now, I'm like, ooh, God, that's bad. Oh, yeah, that's as a it. kid, dude. I, I mean, I love Spy Who Loved Me so much. I was yeah. like, oh, shit, yeah. with Jaws. Yeah. I saw the previews, Jaws yeah. in it again. Yeah. Oh, I got to go. And I was like, oh, man, this was terrible. Yeah, he's better no as a Barbara bad guy. Bach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Barbara Bach, baby. Rita is a star. But <laughs> it, it did have Dr. Goodhead. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> True. At, at number eight, Steve Martin and Carl Reiner's The Jerk. Yep. All-time all classic there. On my list. He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! <laughs> at, at number I'm seven. I'm in the phone book. I'm, on, I'm somebody now. <laughs> Out of everybody in the phone book, the yeah. serial killer picks him. <laughs> David R. Johnson. What a jerk. I want to name my dog Shithead after that. Oh, yeah. You know, my friend Angel Marlowe called his dog Shithead after That's that. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, Shithead, come here. I'm going to call you Lifesaver. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, at number seven, Blake Edwards, 10. Oh, yeah. At number six, Ridley Scott's Alien. Mm -hmm. At number five, Star Trek The Motion Picture. At number four, Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now. At number three, Rocky II. At number two, the Amityville Horror. And at number one, battling out, it was Kramer versus Kramer. Crazy. That was the number one. It was a divorce movie. Yeah. Number Did you one. Did you see that spoof? Kramer versus Kramer versus Godzilla? Yes. <laughs> She was awesome. Well, there there are a few of the top ten uh, top tens on my list, but my favorite movie of '79 is not in the top ten. And you know what? I'm very surprised. Wow! It, it did. I know it was very popular, so I'm very surprised it didn't make it. All right, um, the jerk definitely on my list. Mm -hmm. Escape from Alcatraz uh, with uh, uh, Clint Eastwood, yep. fucking great movie. Yep. Phantasm, mm -hmm. amazing. Uh, it, even though it's a stand-up, Richard Pryor live in concert might be, other than Delirious, the greatest live performance I've ever seen on film. Mm -hmm. Comedy performance. The Wanderers. You remember The Wanderers? Uh, yeah. Kentucky Boys. Uh, Taurus Trap. You guys ever seen that one? No. Uh, I, I know of it, but I haven't seen it. Oh, man. It's like mannequins. It's very creepy. And I, it's mm. great. 
time after time. Uh, love time after time. Yeah, love Jack the Ripper, book. Mark, uh, Mike McDowell, uh, Clockwork Orange guy. Clockwork mm. um, yeah. McDowell. Yep. When a stranger calls. Love it. Seen that? Yeah. Oh, love what a movie! Uh, Rocky two. Yep. But I, I still have four, and as much as I like Rocky one, I put four movies above that one. Mm. Uh, Apocalypse Now, Alien, and this one number two. Man, if there was a this number one. I would definitely say Over the Edge was the best movie of 79. Oh, yeah. yeah. But my favorite movie that I'm surprised it's not on the list, and what a fucking movie it is. Warriors. <laughs> come out. Come out play. play. <laughs> Dude, come on. That movie is the shit. And you it know is. what's really good? The Blu-ray brings the original version where it's comic strips. Yeah, the drug, yes, the I love yeah. it. Yeah, and, and I like that version even more. And I grew up with the original. And that doesn't yeah. usually happen with me. You mm-hmm. know, when they fuck with a movie I love so much. But I love how they did that. They should have kept it that way. I agree. But yeah, Warriors. Yes, it's kind of cheesy and all. But man, we're talking about movies that made an impact on us. Yeah. And that one. I mean, come on, guys. Can you dig it? <laughs> that Can you dig it? Cyrus. Fucking what a movie! So yeah, definitely yeah. one of, one of my top ten too as well. Warriors, yeah. fuck yeah! Great now, my favorite, my favorite gang, hands down, the Baseball Furies. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, fuck yeah! I almost picked the Jerk uh, because it's uh, Steve Martin's kind of his starring debut, and it's so good. But I went with Breaking Away, and uh, the reason I went with Breaking Away because to me this started the coming of age movies that the 1980s kind of perfected. And, uh, you know, you have a stellar cast of actors that were all young at the time, and they went on to pretty big stardom. You have Dennis Quaid, Daniel Stern. This is actually Daniel Stern's film debut. At the time, I think Jackie Earl Haley was probably the most well-known actor uh, because, of course, he had major successes, Kelly Leak and Bad News Bears. And so if you don't know, the main premise involves, you know, four guys who they just graduated high school in Bloomington, Indiana. And the, the main star is Dave. He's played by Dennis Christopher. And he's infatuated with bicycle racing and the Italian lifestyle. And he wants to <laughs> pursue a dream of becoming a competitive racer. He starts speaking in Italian. His dad can't, <laughs> can't stand him and everything. But it's all kind of tongue-in-cheek. And, and he really gets up and, you know, wrapped up in bike racing in college. And he sort of kind of forgets about his, you know, his buddies from high school and he doesn't seem interested because in, they don't really seem interested in going to college. And he's kind of, you know, kind of breaking away, so to speak. Him. And uh, it's a really well done coming of age film. It doesn't seem cheesy or forced. Very similar to what came out the next year in My Bodyguard, that kind of feel. And I just watched it not too long ago. And I, I think it still really hold, holds up really well. It's a, it's a good film, Breaking Away. I've never seen it. i got to see it. Yeah, oh, it's a good great one. movie. Great yeah. movie. All right. Well, much like uh, 1978, uh, when it comes to runners-up, <laughs> I, I got a two-way tie. And uh, Ralph mentioned them both, and that's The Warriors and Over the Edge. Uh, wow, it, my top two. Yeah. And, 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 and these are ones, you know, for me, these are definitely more popcorn movies than, than what I've been picking. Uh, but they're so fucking good and had such an impact on my life. Uh, both I don't want to cut you off, Ian, but now it just dawned on me why The Warriors wasn't in the top 10 all-time grossing movies of 1979. Because in 1979, they banned the movie. 
mm. because there was a lot of gang yep. uh, warfare going on during that year. So mm, they yeah. took it out of theaters. So if that didn't happen, I guarantee you it would have been in the top 10. All right, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You can continue now. That's good uh, stuff. But uh, yeah, great movie and over the edge. I mean, fuck. Man, yeah. You know, man, a kid that kid tells on another kid is a dead kid. Dead kid. Yep. And, and then talk about a movie that they need to put out like a really nice, like, yeah. you know, anniversary edition Blu-ray with some great extras yeah. uh, because it's just a classic. And, and something I don't know if it was, a, I don't know if it was as appreciated when it came out uh, as it became appreciated in, in the 80s, you know, through HBO. Because almost everybody I know that loves it, that's how they discovered it, you know, was, was through you know, the old days of HBO when you didn't have as many movies on. You had, like, about 30 movies a month, and they got played the shit out of. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and I will tell you this, being from the 70s. Though over the edge, at least in Florida, and I'm sure around the country, I think that was a movie that was limitedly shown elsewhere. Because I never seen it in theater, never heard about it. The first time I ever heard about Over the Edge was going to a Kmart and they had the soundtrack. And Great the soundtrack. soundtrack. Was, I bought yeah. it. And I still yeah. own my original soundtrack. And for years, I've always wanted to see this movie. And then the first time I saw it, it was on HBO, like, really late. Like, two or something in the morning. I was like, oh, my God, Over the Edge. And then I watch Over the Edge, and I'm like, where the fuck are most of these characters on the album cover? <laughs> They're not in the movie. No. <laughs> only, only see, you don't see the main guy. Uh, you see Matt Dillon, and you see the little mute kid with the glasses. <laughs> Yeah. But everybody else in that, oh yeah, and, and the kid that did acid. Mm -hmm. uh, but everybody, all the other characters on that album cover are not in the movie. <laughs> so what's crazy about this movie is actually um, kind of inspired by a little town where near where I grew up. It's in Foster City, California. And it was just basically about, the San Francisco Chronicle kind of wrote an article about how there was a lot of juvenile uh, crime going up because nobody, you know, these kids had nowhere to go. And so, you know, they, they would have these rec centers that they'd shut down and then they would just go on these crime sprees. And so it, it's really interesting um, that, that that came from a news article, you know, that they... And, they, and, what's, they, and, and what's kind of ironic about that movie was if you listen to the commentary on the DVD, mm -hmm. that, that town was very close to Columbine mm. uh, where they filmed that movie uh -huh. was like just a few miles away from Columbine. Yeah, talk about irony, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. New Granada. All right, well, my favorite movie in 1979, and I really thought that this was going to be uh, like a universal, much like I thought, well, I knew Ralph was going to pick Jaws for 75. He knew I was going to pick Jaws. And I really thought you were going to be honest, Brian, and pick Jaws. Uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I, I, I thought all of you were going to be in agreement here, but I, I guess I'm the only one to acknowledge that the greatest movie of 1979, and what a fucking way to end it. Uh, you, know, you know, as crazy as the 70s were at the start, to go out with Apocalypse Now. Mm. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, talk about uh, just an incredible incredible movie everything about it is is epic and it's sweet i mean it's almost like a goddamn uh you know it's like a vietnam lawrence of arabia you mm -hmm. know to me it has that kind of epic scope uh but just with like what you could show in 1979 uh 
But I, 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 the way it shows the insanity of war, uh, the way it shows, you know, how it was basically kids over there, uh, you know, fighting that war, but how people yeah. can lose their minds w- within war. And I think it says it says just as much about war in general as it does Vietnam. I mean, also, you know, it was coming to terms with this war we just got out of. But you, you could apply that insanity really to any war. You could mm-hmm. insert any war in there and, and still be relevant and, and still have meaning. Uh, and, and the performances, I, I mean, oh, my God, Martin Sheen, uh, you know, Brando, Dennis Hopper. Robert Duvall. Yeah. Robert Duvall, for me, steals that movie. Yeah. Uh, someday this war is going to end. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah. It, it just, just the way when he, when he says someday this war is going to end. Like it's a sad thing. Like 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 he's a soldier that knows nothing of life without war. Like he's, and and you you can almost tell like he's enjoying it. That's his purpose. That's what yeah. he knows how to do is war. Yeah, uh, you know, and 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 how sad that is. But there's people like that that they're just waiting for something like that to happen so they can live out their purpose. You smell it. Hey, fun, son. Nothing else in the world smells like that. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. You know, one time we had a hail bomb. For 12 hours, when it was all over, I walked up. We didn't find one of them, not one stinking dink body. Smell, you know, that gasoline smell. The whole hill. Smells like victory. Someday this war's gonna end. You know, and then then you can see, you know, somebody like Brando's character who who was that guy but just became disillusioned with the whole thing and kind of almost had a spiritual awakening to the madness of war and the futility of war. The horror. Uh, Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, and I love how they show the, the you know, the innocence, you know, with like, you know, Sam Bottoms and, and Lawrence Fishburne uh, to show you that these are kids over there, you know, playing adult games, you know, and uh, just just the madness of it. I, I think it's it's just a, a mind blowing film. And that's and another one. A lot of people, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the, the Redux version. And I think it's equally as amazing. Uh, some people really hate that version. Uh, I love it. I love I, it. I got the steel box. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've got I've got the 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 three disc Blu Ray that's got you know both versions. Plus, it has Hearts of Darkness, yeah. uh, which is an incredible documentary about the making. I actually went to the uh, to an art theater in Chicago to see that when it came out. I Me and my dad oh, nice. was just a crazy time, you know. And it was after the filming of that is uh, when my dad was hanging out with Martin Sheen. Mm. And it, it wasn't too long after that. We got thrown out of Martin Sheen's house because my, da- <laughs> my, my dad was getting Martin Sheen drunk and his wife came because he had a heart attack during the filming of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his wife was like, oh, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. And then he Martin Sheen started hanging out with my dad and uh, started drinking again. And that didn't <laughs> go over too good with Martin Sheen's wife. Oh, like father, like son. Yeah, and, and we got thrown out of the house. And uh, I'll never. They, they made uh, Charlie and Emilio 
kind of had to babysit me, and they weren't too happy about that because they were. I heard, te- I heard he got Charlie drunk too. <laughs> First time. <laughs> Look what happened to him. But uh, yeah, yeah, they, they made they, men at work. Your dad gets got gets kicked out of there, and you get kicked out of a blue star cloister cult show. Yeah, <laughs> like they, father, like son. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember they they were teenagers, and they did not want to watch me or take care of me. But uh, next thing you know, uh, Mrs. Sheen's coming in and telling me, telling me I gotta go, and so does my dad. <laughs> and uh, that was that. That's awesome. That's a damn good movie memories exclusive. My favorite story with with my dad though, uh, uh, at the time at this time he's working for the Malibu Times as a photographer. He also worked uh, as an MC at the Crazy Horse Lounge in Malibu. Uh, which a lot of the stars would would come and visit, and he, you know he would come you know in between the bands and everything he'd go up there and tell a fucking few bad jokes like I do, and uh, he got so drunk in there one night with uh, Brian Wilson from uh, the Beach Boys yep. and Keith Moon, oh. and and they just got annihilated and they all got thrown out of the bar. Your <laughs> you know, dad? My, yeah, my dad. Your worked dad there. partied with Keith Moon. And Dennis Wilson. Dude, and, that is the most legendary shit ever to party yeah. with Keith Moon. Yeah. And, and, oh my god, I can't dude, Ian, you repeat a million stories a gazillion times and you don't repeat the greatest story ever. Oh, I thought you were making fun of me. Oh, I didn't tell the story already? Oh no, you never dude, you kidding me? Uh, that uh, is the most legendary shit I've ever heard anybody tell me. Uh, that they knew they had a father that party with Keith Moon. The only thing that would top that is if Oliver Reeve was there, you know. Well, the, the, the best was my was my dad telling uh, the story. You know, my dad was in a band when he was in high school, and he destroyed a drum set, and he did this around the same time Keith Moon was doing it. And my dad swore that he did it first, and so he's telling Keith Keith Moon the story about how he destroyed his drum set because my dad my dad knew he was getting a, a like a real professional drum set. And he thought it'd be cool at this show to just destroy it because by the next gig he'd have his brand new, I think it was a Gretsch set that he was getting. And so he's he's telling Keith Moon the story while they're getting drunk. He said Keith Moon just looked at him with just like, are you fucking kidding me eyes? And he goes, I don't care who did it first. <laughs> yeah. And I, well, the, uh, the, the, the fact is Keith Moon destroyed his drum set because he didn't want to be upstaged by Pete Townsend when he would smash his guitar. Right, right. But uh, but yeah, they they all got thrown out of the bar. Even though my dad worked there, the the owners like, you guys are getting too fucking right. get the fuck. I don't care who you are, get the fuck out of here. And my dad would always brag about it. I'm the only one that's still alive. Well, now now they're all dead. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, great but story. That's though. legendary. Yeah, man. yeah. That is amazing. Your dad party with Keith Moon. Yeah, dude, that's that's the shit, man. Yeah. Wow. It was a, a char in 70, 78, 79 when we lived in Malibu. It was a it was a charmed time. And oh. you bring this up not on our podcast. Thanks, Ian. <laughs> you can definitely use it on your own podcast. We even did a real review, you fuck. <laughs> yeah, but we already have listeners. I'm trying to help out Brian. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, I listen. That's good enough. Yeah, his mom listens too. It's a she great does. Show. Yeah. My favorite show is when he had his mom on doing yeah, Saturday, Saturday Night Fever. Fever. Soundtrack, it's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Uh, all, right. all right. So so wind it up, Ian, with uh, yep. other movies, because I got to get going. Oh, oh yeah. right. There's a lot in here. Hold on. Let's see here. Let me go back to the top of the list. Uh, 
let's see. Bob Fosse's All That Jazz was a big yep, one. Right that. Uh, and Justice for All with Al Pacino. Great movie. Uh, let's see here. Being There, the great Hal Ashby movie with Peter Sellers. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Black Hole was a Disney movie that oh, I yeah. fucking love. Very dark for a Disney movie. And I think at the time was the most expensive movie they ever made. Yeah. Uh, no Gus. No Gus. <laughs> Sorry. The fuck's Gus? No Gus, but remember Chomps? Yeah, <laughs> Chomps was a dog, right? Yeah, robot dog. Yeah. Valerie Bertinelli was in that. Okay. Uh, Caligula. All right, all right. All right. Caligula, <laughs> Caligula came Caligula, too disturbing. Uh, my ex-guitar player's favorite movie of all time. Yeah, I, I just got it on Blu-ray the other week. Way too disturbing. Uh, it was also called The Black Hole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a movie that made me cry when I was a little kid. The Champ. Mm. Oh, my God. I love it. And some of it was filmed in Hialeah, Florida, where I was raised. Uh, the part where they're in the horse track. Oh, nice. Oh, my God. Wake up, Champ. Wake, wake yeah. Up, champ. Wake up, Champ. That made me cry. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, a tearjerker and a half. Yeah. Uh, the China Syndrome. Good movie. Yeah, about the nuclear plant, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Frank Langella's version of Dracula. Uh, The Electric Horseman with Robert Redford. Redford. That was big one. Uh, Clint Eastwood, Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah, that was on my list. Yep. Uh, let's see. A Force of One, an early Chuck Norris movie when, uh... Mm, yeah. You ever seen that one? It's, it's, I have, yeah. Yeah, it used to be on TV every now. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's bad. It's yeah. bad. But it's Chuck Norris. Uh, uh, you want to talk about a great Robert Duvall movie, The Great Santini? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah that should have made my list. Yeah. Uh, Hair. Yep. Uh, we talked about it previously, but Hardcore uh, was an awesome one. Should have been on my list too. Uh, and uh. Comedy, I, I liked it. The in-laws, you guys ever seen that one with Alan Arkin and Peter Falk? No. Yes, yes, I, yeah. it is a good one. Yep. Uh, talking about the Who, the kids are all right. Docu- or rockumentary movie. Fuck. Yeah, the greatest really rockumentary done. movie ever. Oh. Should have been on my list. Yeah, I love it. That's a great one. Let's see, Love at First Bite with George <laughs> Hamilton. Yep. Oh my God. Uh, I got a story about that. I'll try to make it brief, as brief as possible. Uh, there was a kid called Lottie from England that lived here on Miami beach. I gave him money to buy me weed. Hmm. He never came back with the money. I didn't see him till like three days later when I was at a, believe it or not, this is 1984 at a black flag show. Yes. I saw wow. black flag in 1984 at a club called Flint. He showed up with this girl called Lisa Cohen. And I was like, motherfucker, where's my money? And he's like, fuck you. I don't know. No, no, fuck you. And they were holding him back. And I was like, go ahead let him go. I'll fuck him up. And, you know, the thing the thing got broken up. The very next day, I go to a McDonald's with Eve. And this is the weird thing about Eve. Me and Eve are in McDonald's. We order food. We're sitting down. And then she said to me, I shit you not. After like 20 minutes hanging out with her. Oh, did you hear? Lottie killed his little sister yesterday. I was like, you're telling me this now? And, wow. okay, how does this relate to Love at First Bite? I'll tell you how. <laughs> so, anyway, they, um, they, they, uh, he, they got him. He got arrested. And, uh, and I was even thinking, dude, what if they let him go and he stabbed me, you know? Yeah. Cause he had, what he did, what the whole thing was him and this guy called Manuel, which was a cool guy. He used to always give me a ride to Hialeah from Miami beach. 
uh, instead of me catching the bus. He, him and Lottie went to uh, their house to kill the father. They had the plot. They were going to stab him, kill him. He wasn't there. The little girl were there, which I met the little girl one time because me and uh, Ronnie Spruce, uh, who's on my Facebook, we were left at a Styx concert in Hollywood Sportatorium. So we got a ride, but the only place I can go was Miami Beach. Ronnie was homeless, so we ended up climbing the window in Lottie's house and sleeping in his room. And when we left in the morning, we saw the little girl. We walk out, two strange guys with long hair all disheveled, walk out, and this little girl's there, and she's like, hi. Like, you know, mm. like we didn't scare her at all. It was a very sweet little girl. So when they went to kill the father, uh, he wasn't there. And then, she, uh, as I saw on the news, she was yelling at them, no, get out of here, this and that. So Miguel, this really, Manuel, this really nice guy, held this little five-year-old girl as Lottie stabbed her to death. Jesus. Now, there's this fucking idiot lawyer called Ellis Rubin that had this case. It, this case went all the way to Entertainment Tonight because he was blaming the movie Love at First Bite because it was playing on the TV while they were stabbing the little girl. Uh. And they said, it's a movie about a man that's dead and comes back to life. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they blamed the movie to... He blamed the movie to, you know, they figured, oh, we'll kill the little girl. She'll come back to life like Dracula. Right, right. So that's, uh, that, believe me, there's more to the story, but I wanted to come, you know, wow. compress it. Yeah, crazy story. So right? did they get convicted? I, yes. And as okay. far as, oh, and I have all this on video because I would record the news segments. Mm-hmm. A couple months later, Lottie went back to court begging for the death penalty mm. because he was getting raped in prison. Which is Yeah, you kill a kid. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, there's a beautiful part to the story, but yeah. Not only did he rip off my fucking, you know, <laughs> weed money, but he ended up getting raped by, you know, and passed around for a pack of cigarettes. There you go. Karma, karma's a bitch. It is. Wow. I, girl, I had no idea how you were going to pull love at first bite out of your ass <laughs> with that story. But you did. Holy yeah. cow. And that was in 1984, like what, six years later? Yeah. Five, <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. That's a great one. Holy shit. I don't know how I can top that, but I'm going to try. Mad Max came out in 1979. Great movie. Oh, yeah. Let's see. A a horrible movie, but it was a big one that year. The main event with Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neal. Yep. Woody Allen's Manhattan came out. Uh, One of the first movies I remember seeing in theater, it was a doubleheader at the drive-in with Piranha, was Meatballs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Meatballs was the first one. Cute movie with Bill Murray. Yeah, yep. Bill Murray's. I first believe it's first movie, right? Yeah, yep. Right after Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Mm. Uh, a horrible disaster movie I remember watching, Meteor. Have you ever seen that with Sean Connery? No. 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 Oh, God. Yeah, well, evidently, it's about a meteor. Yeah, it's about that boring, too. Uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian. Ooh, one I really liked, and nobody knows this but me, but. I mean, if you had HBO, maybe you guys saw this. Anybody remember Nightwing? Mm, it, no. It was a movie about bats. <laughs> nope. Bats and Native Americans. It's, it's actually pretty good. Uh, Norma Ray. Yep. Sally Field won Academy Award, right? For that. Uh, yeah, she did. That, yes. She did, yeah. That means yeah. you like her. Yeah. Uh, North Dallas Forty. Great. Great. I saw that. I saw that when it first came out. Yeah, the Nick first Nol- showing. 
Nick Nolte football movie. The Onion Fields. Anybody ever seen that one? With oh, Jake I Cook? love that yeah. one. Where they kill the, the, they shoot the guy in the field, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, based on a true movie, true story. Yes. And a movie. Yes. A movie. <laughs> uh, the movie version of Quadrophenia came out. I didn't like it. Uh, never seen it. I've, I've, I did. I did not like it. Uh, an- another horror movie. I've seen this box. The I to this day I can still see the cover. There's this VHS that I never brought myself to uh, rent, but maybe you saw it, Ralph. Prophecy. Yes. With Ta- yes. Talia Shire. Yeah, yeah. With with the, like the poster had like the egg. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Uh, I haven't seen it since then though. I'll have to check it out. Rock and Roll High School. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 it's a little too goofy. That's why I didn't make my list, but I, I do like that movie. Yeah. Actually, Cheap Trick was supposed to be the band in that movie. Oh, instead of the Ramones. Yeah. The, then the, they turned it down, so they gave it to the Ramones. Mm. Uh, Sammy Hagar's first big movie, The Rose, came out <laughs> in 1979. <laughs> that, that, was actually, that was actually better than Van Hagar. Yeah. Uh, Miller, yeah. Now here, here, here's another kid movie that that I used to love, and I, I think I first saw this on TBS. I used to show it all the time. Scavenger Hunt. Do you remember that? Hmm. No. It was about a scavenger hunt. Eh, it was good. <laughs> it's like meteor. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got here that we Gus. have. <laughs> no, nope, no Gus yet. And everything else that was good, Ralph already mentioned. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, this I'm was a big so much fan of blockbusters. Yes, this was so much fun, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, guy, uh, Brian. Yes. Yeah. Hey, guy. guy. Hey, you're guy. guy. Hey, buddy. You're, you're, you're all right, dude. <laughs> Thanks, guy. <laughs> well, of course, if you if you haven't checked out the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, you're an you idiot. You're an idiot. Yeah, you need to check hey, out. Jinx. <laughs> Y'all buy a coke. Uh, Ralph and Ian are amazing as you've witnessed here you get stories that you will hear nowhere else and definitely check out the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast check out both of their radio shows they're amazing and support Thrash or Die, tremendous band this has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much guys thank you man, it's been a fucking honor and I love your program and and, uh, thanks for having us thanks so much guys this just gave me a damn good movie memory I like this. I like it. Hey, that was awesome. That was so fun. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for damn good movie memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and be sure to tune in next week for an all-new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. The way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbean. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. And it's my number one podcast. Signed by... 
science. Now, and then science also said. Science. Science also said. My second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>